What's going on? Feeling good, feeling great. FCS playoff preview edition of the state of Southeastern. Coming at you. Man. Three straight years of the FCS playoffs. Well, no. We didn't do it in 2020. That was, a, that was obviously a weird year. But we're back. Three straight falls of the FCS playoffs. There we go. Big, big show. Obviously going to preview the matchup. I've got all my research done because I care. And then uh, we got a great interview. The leader of the Lions, J.R. Teagues, joins us. Going to tell us all about uh, what we can expect on Saturday. And then also, you know, what goes into hosting a, an FCS playoff game. Because it's, uh, it's much different than a usual game. Really cool stuff there um, with, uh, with Coach J.R. Teagues. And uh, then we're going to wrap up the show by staking uh, claim to a Canadian Football League team. The Grey Cup just happened. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's prepare for next year, right? Let's, let's pick a CFL team. And, I'm, and I promise it has something to do with, with Southeastern, okay? Anyway, um, let's get into it. All right. Idaho, members of the Big Sky Conference, widely regarded as one of the great conferences in FCS football. They come in with a 7-4 and four record, 6-2 and two in the Big Sky, 7-2 and two against FCS schools. They lost to Washington State 24-17 week one in the first game of the Cam Ward era for the Cougars, the former UIW quarterback. Then they lost to Indiana. Not looking great, right? Well, then they rattled off five straight, including a win over then third-ranked Montana, 30-23. They only lost by three to Sacramento State, number two team in the country. Their, uh, their other loss to unranked UC Davis, 44-26. They come into the playoffs feeling good about themselves. They beat their rivals, Idaho State, 38-7. The guy who should scare us, Giovanni McCoy, the freshman of the year, in the entire conference. He is very good at football. Stats for McCoy this year. 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. How many yards? Over 2,000 yards. Nearly 2,500 yards. 2,376 yards through the air. But guess what, everybody? He's a dual threat. He's carried the ball 69 times, 242 yards. And a couple of scores this year. On the ground, leading them in uh, in yards 
is Anthony Woods, but for some reason, Anthony Woods doesn't score. It's actually very interesting. Anthony Woods has 814 yards. He averages over five yards per carry, but he's only got two touchdowns. Their leading uh, rushing touchdown scorer is Roshan Johnson, who's only got 99 carries this year, a, a little under 400 yards, and 11 scores. Crazy. All right, now I've been listening to some Idaho podcasts. They tell me that there's a possibility we see Jack Lane. Jack Lane is another freshman. Jack Lane has only appeared in two games, one of them being the Idaho State game. Last week, he went 18-29 to 29 for 255 yards and a score with a pick against Idaho State. The only other game he appeared in was against Drake. He went 6-8, of eight, 113 yards, no scores. So, uh, let's pull up their game notes, if they have them, and try to find out if we have more information on, uh, they don't even have a preview yet. If you're listening, uh, this is being recorded on Friday. Uh, so, at least on Friday, we still don't really know a ton about Idaho this week. Let's see if we can if we can Google and try to find some answers because apparently Giovanni McCoy is dealing with an injury enough so that um, we're hearing that we might see another quarterback. Let me get the name of this podcast right. The name of the podcast is uh, Tubbs at the Club, who I listen to. Give them a shout-out if you want to you know, find out what Idaho thinks coming into this one. Go listen to Tubbs at the Club. Anyway, um, and I'm, I'm also going to make sure that they actually said that he was injured before I keep going. Anyway, I'll be right back. All right, we have our answer. Uh, Giovanni McCoy did not play against Idaho State, a game that Idaho won 38-7. From what I understand from the good people at Tubbs at the club, um, it was a precautionary measure for an injury. They believe that it's... At this point, a 50-50 shot uh, for who we see at quarterback on Saturday. Jack Lane or Giovanni McCoy. Now, Lane is uh, more of the pocket passer. If, look, if you want to do it like Southeastern, McCoy is Cephas Johnson. Jack Lane is Eli Sawyer. Obviously, they do not play a two-quarterback system. But if you want your comparisons like that, there you go. Um but again, they, they still don't have game notes. We're uh, a little over 24 hours away. Still no game notes, so which is probably smart. Um, you know, because then people like me uh, can't tell you who's, who's going to start. Um, or at least plan to start. If you were wondering, Cephas Johnson's planning uh, to, to start for us, according to our game notes. But um, 
I uh, here here here's what I'm going to take away. Here's my opinion. All right. Uh, they are a similar team to us in terms of how their schedule is gone. They lose all their FBS games. Although they did look, I would say better than we did in those FBS games. We left UL and FAU with so many question marks and then turned the page like crazy. Uh, they only lost by 7 to a Pac-12 team in Washington State, 13 to a Big Ten team in Indiana, and then they started rolling. Um, this is what I was getting to. It is supposed to rain on Saturday. They play in the Big Sky. The Big Sky, known for just brutal weather when you get to November and December. Now, Idaho, one of nine FBS or FCS, not FBS, nine Division I schools in football that plays indoors. Maybe the elements help us. I don't know. Wishful thinking, okay? Um, that's, that's wishful thinking on my end. The other thing, historically, this team, this is a big deal for them. They played in, um, in the FBS for quite a while. You know, that's probably why if, you know, if you, if you follow Southeastern, but you don't really follow the FCS, you're thinking, well, I know Idaho. Well, yeah, of course you do, because they played in the FBS from 1996 to 2017. They only made three bowl games in that time. They won all three. They were the first ever program to voluntarily drop from the FBS subdivision to the FCS. This game is a big deal for them because historically they don't get here. This is not a situation where every year they're coming in and it's a sure thing they're getting to the FCS playoffs. In their time in the FCS, 4 and 7 in 2018, 5 and 7 in 2019, in 2020, during the spring year, of course, they went two and four. Last year, four and seven. They've never had a winning season at the FCS level until this year when they went seven and four. It's their first time playing a postseason game since 2016. They won the famous Idaho Potato Bowl 61 to 50 over Colorado State. That was their last bowl win. Now, what's different about this team? It's the coaching staff. And they love Jason Eck. They love Jason Eck. Jason Eck, first year at the helm, gets them to the playoffs after uh, serving as an assistant at South Dakota State. They love this guy. He is in the running for FCS Coach of the Year. And uh, let me see who won Big Sky Coach of the Year. It may have been him. Do you hear the typing? Do you hear the work being done, folks? Let's see if this uh, if this will show me. But 
I, uh, that's what's exciting to me is, uh, no, Danny Sprinkle from Montana State won. I think that's what's exciting to me about this is that this is a team that's coming in in a similar position as we were to Villanova in 2019. Obviously, we were at home. Um, and we'll actually talk about that game and what went into it with, with uh, J.R. Teagues here in a moment. But that's what's exciting to me is this is a team that's going to be happy to be there. Not that anyone's ever not, but there's something so special about a team that has waited their turn to get there. It's also what is frightening about it is that they're not overlooking this. Both schools, I think, feel good about their teams, and we know nothing about the other one. This is the first meeting between the two. It's the first time we've played a team from Idaho since 1980. You liking these stats? I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a a shout out. Okay, head to our website, thestateofslu.com. You can read 20 of them, 20 fun facts on the Idaho Southeastern matchup. That's where I'm getting all these. It's not like I have them off the top of my head. I did the research. Anyway, um, yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Anyway, um, I think it comes down to, you know, stopping the run and finding out who the quarterback is we're going to face, you know. Um, we'll see. We will see. Anyway, um, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the game after this interview with J.R. Teagues, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show by choosing a CFL team. But anyway, if you were looking for some inside information on how this all comes together, especially over the holidays, again, happy Thanksgiving, you're going to love this interview. We got a great chat with Southeastern AD J.R. Teagues. All right, we are now joined by the leader of the Lion Nation, the myth, the man, the legend himself, Coach J.R. Teagues. Coach, thanks so much for, for hopping on with us today. Thank you, but I need you to introduce me everywhere. I like that. That's Look, honestly, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm adding it to the resume. That's what all this is for. It's for me to one day, you know, three or four years from now, I just become J.R. Teagues' introducer. That's all I'm trying to – that's all this is for. It's all I'm working you towards. It. You got it. All right, coach. So let's talk. I mean, huge week for you guys. It kind of works out well that you don't have much happening until the weekend. You have a full week to prepare. Uh, But let's get into what this week is like for you. Obviously, hosting an FCS playoff game. What does the week look like for you guys in terms of preparing for this? Because a lot of people may not know it's a much different, um, I guess, setup than just a usual game day because it's an NCAA event. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's it's night and day from what we're used to as a home game. It's an NCAA event. They control the tickets. Uh, you know, we get zero comp tickets. You know, people would like to call and say, hey, can you give me some tickets? And 80% of what we do sell, 80% goes back to the NCAA. You know, so we have to make sure we're doing our part. The tough part about this week for the football team and the coaches, it's the same. You know, it's because they don't see times. They don't see anything else. And and, and, you know, for them, the toughest part for them is they have to do – it's Thanksgiving, you know, so we got to feed the whole football team, which is a challenge in itself. 
when you talk about a hundred or something kids, you know, so that part's tough. But the biggest challenge, John, to be honest with you, is, you know, this week you got Thanksgiving where campus closes. Yeah. Open. I'm sitting in my office right now. Tickets over there. Everybody else is in and out doing their thing to get ready. But when you're trying to get ready on the college campus and nobody's here except us, that makes it a challenge, you know. But yeah, a lot of teams that would be killed, killing the play on Thanksgiving day, like uh, Thanksgiving week, like we do every year. So we're kind of accustomed to it. You know, we have Thanksgiving dinner for the entire football team on Thursday in the cafeteria. So there's definitely a lot of prepping to go into this week. Ticket office is busting their tails. The only day they're taking off is Thursday. We told them close up Thursday, enjoy their families. But we open today. We open back up on Friday and we'll be ready to roll. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because today was uh, the first day of campus closure. And then this is now crazy to think. It's the third year in four seasons that we're hosting a home playoff game. Um, now that this is the third year, has the uh, how is the marketing going, trying to get people to stay around? Because that is – it's always the challenge at Southeastern is trying to get people to stay for the weekend. But it's got to be even tougher to get people to stay for the holidays. Yeah, you know, our students have been fantastic. They've done a great job all year. I think our students' attendance is the best in this conference. You always want to keep improving, get, keep getting better at it. This week is a challenge as far as attendance-wise because it's Thanksgiving. People already had breaks planned. Some people have weddings set up, you know, so it's always a challenge. But we're still going to bid aggressively like we did. Because mm -hmm. I want our guys to play at home, give us a better opportunity to win. You know, and it's great for our community. You know, a few years ago when we had the uh, playoff game here, I think it was in 15, we did an economic study for the uh, – community and it brought in $850,000 to the Hammond area, you know, and that's wow. something that's great, not just for us, great for our supporters as far as our sponsors and everything else. we like to see what we can do to help them as well, but it's a great event, you know, but play, I go, use it Bill and O, for example, we outbid Bill and O, we got to host them a few years ago. We don't win that game if we go on the road. I really believe that, you know, we had yeah. those guys here. It was a big difference in that ball game. No, I mean that, and that was, um, it showed just how special home playoff games can be. You know, that yeah. was, that's one of the best moments of the past 10 years is that comeback in the second half. And you're right. You know, that probably doesn't happen. They probably pull away in the second half if, if we're not at home. Now you talked about the bidding process. Let's talk about that. Just take us through what that is like, you know, who are you contacting? Um, and then are the matchups already set? Are you just bidding against Idaho? How does it work? No, they're not set. You have no idea who you're bidding against or what you're bidding as far as amount. Um, it does go off seating capacity. Our stadium is a little bit smaller than some of those other stadiums. So to be able to outbid them, we had to be very, very aggressive and not be afraid to afraid to lose money if you had to, you know, because to me, playing that home game, it ends up saving you money in the long run compared to having to go on the road and everything. That's how I look at it, as well mm -hmm. as, you know, my job to me as administrator is give our coaches and athletes the resources needed to be successful. And playing at home gives us that opportunity to be successful. So I better do my dang job to give them that opportunity to do that. You know, uh, Bailey Selfo, who's our CFO, she handles all our money uh, budget-wise in athletics. Andrew Bishak, they did the paperwork. It's a form you fill out. There's a process you have to go. You have to bid and go into detail about expenses for security and for parking and everything else. So it's a pretty about a two-week process to get it ready. We turned it in to about a week and a half ago. And then you don't know who you're bidding against, but we've always had one of the top two or three bids in the country. And we're going to always wow. have as long as I'm here. I want to make sure we're doing that part. Now, if, if my memory serves me correctly of the 
this will be the fifth playoff appearance. Only one time have we not hosted, and that was in uh, 14. So was there a bid put in that year? We just we just lost out? Oh, yeah, there's a bid put in. We put a bid in every single year. Um, we lost out, and that was the same Houston, and their stadium is a lot bigger than ours. They actually bid 75% of their capacity. We bid 100, but they still got us because their stadium right. so pissed us off. Can I say pissed off on the podcast? Yeah, go ahead, man. I just did. Pissed me off because we yeah. had saying I get there and they had nobody in the stands. And I'm like, <laughs> when I tell you they may have had 50 students, maybe it, it was a pain in the butt. You know, <laughs> I told myself that day, we're not losing another damn bit. It pissed me off. <laughs> well, you have it. You're now three for three, which, um, you know, watching the River Bell. It was, I, I think you don't realize what you have until it's gone. And I yeah. think that throughout the generations of Southeastern football, the Brian Bennett years, we didn't realize what we had until it was gone. And we go through, you know, a couple 500 years. And now for Coach Selfo, three playoff appearances, more than any coach in the history of Southeastern football. It's unbelievable. And I think it's, you know, sometimes we need to step back and truly appreciate what's going on because it's a special time. You, you hit the nail on the head, uh, John, when you said that, because right now, if you just step back and look at Lion Athletics, what's going on right here, you can very easily take this for granted. Football is in the playoffs every year, top 25. Men's and women's basketball played in the conference championship. Softball played conference championship. Volleyball just won a championship. Baseball yeah. won a championship. Golf won a championship. I know I can go on and on, but that's a good thing. You know, if you step back and everybody tells about the good day, good old days, we're in them. You know, Southeast yeah. Athletic, it's the best time in the history of this athletic department, and I couldn't be prouder. You know, it's fun to have a front row seat, to be able to watch our coaches and our student athletes work. We got some great coaches, man. And I tell you, I'm so proud of the guys that we have. And girls, we have girl, Ava Gazzardo, the job she's doing. You know, they beat the hell out of uh, – can I say hell? I did. Yeah, I mean, look. Yesterday. I'm gonna get we're working the bugs out. Sensor. We're working the bugs out here. <laughs> we got to hit that buzz button. <laughs> but, you know, done a great job. We beat the stew out of South Alabama last night. And, you know, but you're right, man. Sometimes you just got to step back and like, holy crap, we got it going on right now in Southeastern. We're, you know, I, I might need to cut the interview shorter than I want to just because you're working your way up. You're working your way through the curse words. You know, you've started. I'm done. I'm done. That wasn't <laughs> I'm, I agree. I agree. But it's a dangerous precedent I'm letting you set, you know. <laughs> I'm going to get Riser on here during baseball season. He's going to think it's open season, man. Yeah. Well, Riser doesn't listen anyway. He's <laughs> Coach, um, and like you said, I mean, it, it, it is uh, – just real quick. I mean, it, it is something you need to look back on because we had Coach Jeremy White on in the first show, and I was talking to him. You know, when he took that job, that team wasn't just not competing. I mean, that team was truly just bad. Terrible. And they were terrible. And I mean, I remember having to kind of look at everything with rose colored glasses, like, oh, we, we hung with somebody to have championship winning teams at Southeastern is not something that historically has happened. And now we're having it across the board. And it's just it's cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, as we move forward now, coach, um, obviously, the University of Idaho coming to town. Um, football is not the only thing on their minds, you know, a terrible, terrible situation there with four of their students. Um, have you been in contact with administration and how they're handling all this and 
Uh, is there anything you, that you guys have planned this week with them? Yeah, we're going to do a moment of silence prior to the game. Um, what they're going through is unbelievable. You know, I couldn't even imagine what they're having to face right now. Really haven't gotten much detail with their administration except to get their blessing to let us do a moment of silence, which they were fine with. Most schools they've been playing have done that. You know, but they have so much going on up there right now. They're not bringing any police with them because they're busy up there. Wow. <clears throat> you know, we'll have a police escort for them. when They, they can actually stay in Baton Rouge. Um, we'll have a police escort from back and forth, make sure they get through traffic and everything. But it's just a tough situation, no question. Their AD's coming down, their president's coming down. So give me a chance to visit those guys. And then it's a special time for them, too, because they made the switch from FBS to FCS about five years ago, and it has not gone well. Uh, they made a bowl game their last FBS year. I thought they were going to come in and just roll right away with an FBS roster. That did not happen. But what have you seen from them? What has impressed you about them? And I guess what is the worry that we should be looking at this Saturday? You know, honestly, I, I mean, obviously I don't see the film and don't see the yeah. reason. I'm talking to Coach Selfo and our staff on, on those guys. Pretty evenly matched clubs. You know, they pretty balanced run pass. But, you know, it's going to come down to – and I don't mean to sound coach talk because I'm going to yeah. do that. You know, but <laughs> if we don't turn the ball over, I feel really good about us. You know, yeah. if we can create a, if we can be in the plus and the turn, turnover margin, I think we win the game. I think whoever's in the plus and the turnover margin is going to win. You know, it's because we're that close and not even a match. But the draw that they gave us, and, and I mean this in the most respectful way to Idaho, I like it. You know, because we're at home, right? Run, we play it, and we go to a drivable game, game two at Sanford and Birmingham, where our fans can go. So, I love the draw. I love the way they set it up through the NCAA this year. It's so funny because listening to some of their podcasts, they love the draw too. I think both fan bases are going in loving the draw, which is very exciting. And it's honestly the best thing in the world because a lot of years you get teams that feel like they got bad draw. They lose in the first round. Oh, well, the committee, the committee messed us over. So that's exciting. Now, coach, they got the dome up there in Moscow. Are we going to get the dome soon? No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for putting that to rest. We in the swamp on the week. Come on, man. we're a little bit tough. <laughs> Southern is a tough one, man. Right, right. They got look. It's like snowing. I think ten months out of the year there, so they get a they get a pass. They get a pass. It snows here every ten years, so buddy. Yeah, about the same. About yeah. the same. Um, could we just talk about? I mean, Eli Sawyer. Eli Sawyer has been so fun because I mean, you watch him. He reminds you a lot of Cole, especially. Uh, in the 2019 season, when it was Chasen and Cole kind of splitting duty, we've seen it with Cephas and Eli this year. Um, just, I guess, the job the that the coaches have done recruiting, because he seems to be a real hidden gem, along with a few other guys. Gage Larvidane won a few two sports stars in the entire country. The recruiting job that your coaching staffs have done has been awesome. Yeah, you know, this is the best coaching job I've ever seen in my 18 years at Southeastern. And, you know, obviously Frank was named Coach of the Year, but people don't know, we lost 17 guys for the season mm -hmm. within the first week of the year, and, and you don't overcome that. We did and won a championship. We did and made a conference, uh, excuse me, an NCAA playoff. That says a lot about Frank. He and I were talking about yesterday how, how good we're going to be next year. We're going to be really good next year because, one, we'll get everybody back. And they got experience, but all the starters that are out right now, we got a ton of starters that are sitting on the sidelines with injuries. They're back, you know, but because of those injuries, we were able to get a lot of people some playing time. Eli's a great example. We had a quarterback ahead of him 
who right before the season decided to quit, and now Eli's forced in action, done a super job. I really think Eli and Cephas complement each other very, very well. Coaches have done such a remarkable job of putting them in a situation to be successful, and because of that, you're seeing the reaps of the benefits. We're reaping the benefits. Uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit from football to volleyball is learning how to manage the logistics of sending a team to the NCAA volleyball tournament. Is that at all different from, from the other sports? No, you know, the good thing is, I remember when I first got here as athletic director, we've never won anything, literally. Yeah. You know, and then the first time I'm sitting there feeling my way, how do we do this? How do we get a plane to go to California? It, now we know what we're doing, you know, get ready for the bids. We sit and have our pre, pre-meeting with Kimmel Chapel and all of our guys, and they know it. We got it back of our hand. We've done this before. We've posted before. And the cool thing is, you know, two things. You heard them on ESPN talk about what a tough environment Strawberry Stadium is, how hard it is to play as an opponent. But also on our call to say, hey, we love y'all to host because we know the way y'all run things first class. You know, I've done this. Yes. It's good to hear that, you know. And then volleyball going on the road, just like when basketball went to NITs or golf went to nationals or soccer or baseball. You know, we'll have our call. We'll get with shorts travel and we'll get the travel plans rolling and put them on a charter flight and, no telling where we're going to send the girls. I think we're either going to Houston or Austin, but we'll be in Texas somewhere. There you go. Yeah. Coach White was saying he'd love to go to Texas. I asked him, and I'm curious to you, do you find out in real time on ESPNU or do you get a call before you say, okay, this is where we're going? It depends on how much the committee members like me. If they don't okay. like me, I watch it on TV. So I've been watching <laughs> <TV> a lot. <laughs> um, we literally did not get a heads up the other day. I take that back. About two minutes before they announced it, I got a text. I don't think they were supposed to send it yet. Something about hosting. We're excited about y'all hosting. And it was right before it was announced. I mean, literally two minutes. But usually we watch it in real time. Yeah. Um, I guess, does it ever get, you know, old? I, I remember the, and I keep going back to 2019, just because that was such, that was the first one, you know? Of course, you yeah. had 2014 and 15, but it was the first one in a while. Um, and it was there was, you know, waiting to see if we even got in and then to get a home playoff game was so special. Um, now, the third one in a row, I guess, is it less exciting and more just work, I guess? I mean, because yeah. now it's now it's just it it's seems like every year ever, we're doing it. Every year we're doing it. And I'm not going to allow us to take it for granted because it's pretty special. It's pretty cool. I mean, you remember the go- the gray days when we didn't have all this, <clears throat> but we enjoy it. It's not, you know, when you do what you love, it's not work, you know. Yeah. I think my wife gets mad at me. She's already called twice. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, you don't work. You know, it's not like right. work. It's, we love it. You know, sitting there looking at Andrew B. Shack, Kimmer in my office. And, yeah, it's busy. It's fun. But, you know, this is something these kids will remember the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do it all the time. That's correct. But this senior class, this is the only senior they'll ever have. So we got to make it the most enjoyable one. One of the, my most, I, I, I don't know how to word it. I guess one of my, the things I enjoy doing the most at the end of every season, I'll take three or four seniors or three or four kids that exhausted eligibility to lunch or give them some coffee and just ask them, what could we have done to make your experience here better? Because that's what it's about. I want these kids to have the best four or five years of their life, go on, be successful, whatever they end up doing, and be great alumni, you know, but we got to make sure we're doing our job to give them, an experience that they'll never forget. One final time to take uh, the Strawberry Stadium field. Hopefully not. Maybe maybe wind up getting North Dakota State here. Wishful thinking. Uh, but, uh, Coach, um, 
if somebody's looking for something to do, man, I mean, look, it's Thanksgiving weekend, but we got, we got to pack the berry. We got to pack the berry on Saturday. Well, I want them to come, man. You know, we, hit, we were able to step up and we bought 300 tickets to give to our students. Yes. Fifth. Thank you for bringing that. I meant to ask you about that. Yes. Tell us about that. You like that segue? You like how I did that? Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, Professional. We, we started that last year and uh, we're doing it again this year. Um, gave them out yesterday. I, I gave them out in front of the Dugas yesterday and then secured about 50 more, which I'm going to go to the basketball game. First 50 kids to come up to me. I'm going to give them a ticket. If we need more, I'll go find more, you know, because I don't want the kids not to come. During the season, they don't have to pay for tickets. This is an NCAA event. They make them buy a ticket. <clears throat> I don't want them doing that, so we go buy it. And we give it to them. And, you know, I want people to come. Like you said, I want this community to get behind it, get out there. These kids deserve it. They don't realize what we have until they get here. But when you come to a football game, a baseball game, whatever it may be at Southeastern, you coming back because it's a hell of an event. You're definitely coming back. Absolutely. Coach, thank you so much, man. Have a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. This is going to air after it, but uh, happy Thanksgiving, man. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, can't wait to see what, what you guys have in store on Saturday. If you need any help with this, we'll always be on, bud. Thanks a bunch. Huge thanks to Coach Artigues. Great interview. Let's wrap up the show by going through the depth chart. Before we get started, no C.J. Turner. C.J. Turner, uh, no longer on the roster. What a career, though, for C.J. You know, from you know 2019 on, the absolute go-to. Um, not sure why. Uh, but his uh, his line career over, but what a career it was. So anyway, that now that that's out of the way, uh, just so if you're listening, you're wondering why, where's CJ? Well, uh, not on the not on the roster. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. We're gonna start Nick Kovacs over Anthony Spurlock at the wideout exposition. Jai Orgeron, John Allen, the offensive lineman of the year as a left guard. Dom Sarabiglia and uh, Javen Turner along with uh, Brockheim Wicks on the O-line. Connor Briggs is going to get the start. Maurice Massey, who could be an absolute X-factor, is going to uh, start at the other wideout position. Cephas Johnson, like I said earlier, uh, gets the start over Eli, but we know we'll see both. And then Teron Jones, after a quiet year, is going to get the start, followed by Carlos Washington Jr., Jesse Britton, then uh, Rodeo. Those are your four listed backs. And then Gage Larvadane is at the other wideout position. Uh, Arlen Williams or Darius Harry's at the DN. John Graves at defensive tackle. Tainano Galua will be the DT. The defensive tackle here at Crawford's at the DN. Dante Daniels starts over KJ Bickham at the weak side linebacker. And then um, we don't know whether it'll be Anthony Britton Jr. or Herman Kristoff at uh, middle linebacker. Jack Henderson has been so good for us. He'll be at the star. Zaya Alexander, Donnell Ward-McGee, and then Ian Goodley and Fernando Jordan, or Brandon Barbie, are your uh, defensive backs. And with that, let's uh, let's get to the, the part of the show that was maybe a bit confusing. Uh, picking our CFL team. Picking our CFL team. 
we're going to stake claim to the Calgary Stampeders. Okay? Isaac Adeyemi Berglund is already there. And now, another Lion has joined him in Calgary. Tim Wilson Jr. Signed with the Stamps this week after uh, getting looks from the Colts and the Saints. Two seasons for the Lions, 31 receptions, 398 yards, and six touchdowns. He's headed to Calgary. You know who else may be headed to Calgary, everybody? And this is the really exciting one. Every year, the CFL teams have to submit negotiation lists for American players. You can only have so many American players on a CFL team. So you basically get the rights to negotiate with them. You don't get their rights. You get the rights to even talk to them. And that's why you see... Let me let me pull up the negotiation list because it's usually very entertaining to see these players who CFL teams um, want to negotiate with. Let's see. Let's find the... Let's find the quarterbacks list. So anyway. We're gonna we're gonna ride with the Stampeders. Tough loss for our guys in uh in the in the Grey Cup playoffs last year. If you haven't noticed, I'm stalling because I'm trying to find this. Okay, here we go. This is uh, the fall negotiation list. John Rice Plumley is on it for the BC Lions. Bo Nix is on it for the Edmonton Elks. You got... Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, Saints legend, is on it for the uh, for the for the Stampeders. Our team, the Stampeders. Dylan Gabriel's there. Tanner Mordecai's there from SMU. Carson Strong, who was once considered a division or a round one selection at quarterback. You've got um, Sam Hartman, the quarterback from Wake Forest. Adrian Martinez, the quarterback. From Kansas State. Anyway, I just I, I tell you that to tell you it's again these pl- PJ Walker, the quarterback for the Panthers, is on the Ottawa Red Blacks negotiation list. I tell you this to show you that again, it's it's literally just we're gonna have your name and we get to talk to you if something happens. Anyway, the reason I'm talking about negotiation list, you know who's on it for the Stampeders? Cole Kelly. You know who's, for some reason, not playing football right now, even though he would kill it no matter where because he's so accurate? Cole Kelly. You know who just got rid of their greatest quarterback in team history? The Calgary Stampeders. Bo Levi Mitchell's headed to the Tiger Cats. All right? Bring Cole home. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. 
Stampeders are our team. Until maybe, you know, maybe Cole winds up with another team, and then we'll have to pick two teams. Tim Wilson, Isaac Adiemi Berglund holding it down for um, the CFL up there. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap up the show. I'm just going to get a little nostalgic here by uh, seeing who is going through their last run of the playoffs for Southeastern. For Orlando Jordan, obviously. Final season. Holds the school record for most interception return touchdowns. Cephas Johnson will, will be in his final year along with Nick Kovacs. Donna Ward-McGee has been so good as a defensive back. You know, going to miss these guys. A lot of good times. A lot of good times watching these guys play. Teron Jones for Mandeville. You know, it's... uh. It's the it's the weird part about this time of year. But hopefully we'll be sending them out as the uh, the first ever national champions in southeastern football history. Hmm? We're in the dance, why not? Huh? That's our show. Follow us on Twitter at the state of SLU. Follow us on Instagram at the state of SLU. We're going to have a Facebook page soon. Um, Facebook is just so annoying to set up. And you got to go, like, you got to check like six boxes for every post. It's just a lot. But if you're on Facebook, we're going to have that up soon. Um, You can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, obviously. You're already listening. Um, and then uh, our website is thestateofslu.com. We've got some cool stuff coming on the website, thestateofslu.com. Another huge thanks to J.R. Teagues, Lions, Otto, Saturday, 6 p.m., in the Barry. We'll see you then. Can't wait for it. It's lying up over everything. We'll see you next time. I think we're going to do Tuesday and Friday for the pod. And then maybe like a instant reaction when necessary, like on Saturday for college football. And then maybe Wednesday when basketball gets going. But anyway, we'll play it by ear. But as of right now, I think we're going to go do Tuesdays and Fridays for the full-length shows. If you want to be updated on that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the state of SLU or Instagram at the state of SLU. Anyway, have a great time at the game, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. It's lying up over everything. This is the state of Southeastern.